Welcome to James Hill TV, where we talk money, marketing, and motivation. I'm your host, James Hill. Today, we have a very special guest, Allison Ray Lawson. So I'm going to give her the floor. I'll allow her to introduce herself. And we're going to talk about, you know, business, entrepreneurship, and, you know, some advice she has for new entrepreneurs. All right. Well, hey, 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 it's your girl, Allison Ray Lawson. I am the CEO of Ray Lawson Enterprise and Ray Lawson Enterprise 2.0, mm -hmm. um, which is a franchisee of two 7-Eleven convenience stores with gas located in Arlington, Texas. Okay. Okay. That's, that's very dope. I mean, I want to just go back before you got into the gas stations and before you even became a business owner. Um, how was Allison Ray Lawson? How would people describe you? Were you always that go-getter type of person? Were you like, like I, I used to sell candy when I was younger, right? So <laughs> I already had that mentality to start my own business and, you know, to go into entrepreneurship. So mm -hmm. what were you doing that led you up, uh, you know, to starting your own business and being a franchisee? Yeah, I was never that person. I wasn't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've always been outgoing. Um, I've always been kind of the talkative one, the one that everybody knows, the popular one, but I've never was the one to like sell stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I wanted something that was guaranteed um, and just kind of like a play-by-play -play book of what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I was in corporate America. Um, I had nothing, no, no, no ill will towards, Amer towards um, you know, corporate America at the time. I was in government. Um, and I loved it, you know, it was diverse. Um, and, and, I, and I think I want people to understand that like local government, like when you're working for like the city, mm -hmm. it's not about like Republican or Democrat. Like when you're inside that city hall building, it literally is about the people in the city. Um, and so I worked for the uh, city of Dallas, um, worked for the, and then I moved to Virginia, worked for the city of Norfolk, worked for, for the city of Hampton. Um, mm -hmm. And then I went into corporate, corporate America, working for a subsection of Toyota. Um, and that is where I just kind of felt disrespected um, and I felt underutilized and underappreciated. Um, and I was just like, this, this, this ain't it. Um, and so I just had to figure something else out. Um, and I thought to myself, like, what if I become my own boss? Um, but a little unknown fact about me or known fact about me is that my father franchised three McDonald's um, okay. in the Dallas area. And my mother was also an entrepreneur. She's a realtor. Um, and I watched her um, retire from the phone company um, whenever I was very young and kind of build an empire. Um, for herself mm -hmm. in real estate. So I'm just so proud of the both of them. Um, so I guess people always say like it's in my DNA, but like I never had planned on it. Mm -hmm. Now, what were you doing for Toyota that you felt like you were undervalued? Were you in like a sales position or something where you didn't shine or what were you doing? Oh, no. And let me make this very, very clear. I can sell water to a well. So there's no, <laughs> <laughs> there's no sales position that you can put me in where <laughs> I will not shine. I just don't like the hassle of having to always do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in college, I sold cell phones. I literally was making bank in college <laughs> at AT&T. So like I, I can sell water to a well. Um, but I was actually a project manager because at the time I still wasn't really trying to be in like a sales or a commission-based type of thing. I simply just wanted something that had instructions that required my brain, mathematics, and like, let's just keep it moving. Mm -hmm. um, but I was a project manager and I just felt disrespected. Like I felt like nobody respected me. I felt like my projects were being blocked. Um, I felt like people weren't talking to me. I felt, you know, like people were like trying to do things. I'm, it just it just was a lot. Um, and then also I felt like I wasn't being used the proper way. I knew mm -hmm. I was smart. Um, I have a bachelor's and two master's degrees, one's in math. So like, I'm, I'm like, I know, wow. I'm, I know I'm supposed to be here, but like, you're not utilizing me. Mm -hmm. um, at which point I'm like, this is a problem for me. Mm -hmm. So did you do like a hard stop and just say, I'm done with corporate America? Or did you transition into some type of different entrepreneurial journeys before you actually start opening up your um, two franchises? 
No, so in order to be a franchisee, um, it, every franchise pretty much, unless you have like an empire and a family built around it, mm-hmm. every franchise pretty much says that like you need to stop whatever you're doing and like franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not really a large a large amount of time in between like stopping and opening. So like there's certain franchises that it takes like a year and a half to do like training and do all this other, but like with 7-Eleven, it literally is, if you see a store, it opens in three months, you go to training for two months, then you open. So it's not one of those things where like you have this whole ample time to like figure it out. Like, no, you need to stop because this is about to hit you. Mm-hmm. So, so how do you really open it? Um, how much money do you need? Um, is it an application process? Like, how does that work? Okay. I said, I wouldn't say this, but that's the number one thing that I am not allowed to talk about is how mm-hmm. much money it was into it. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say that everybody's deal is different. Every store is different. I mean, there's stores that are 50,000. There's stores that are 300,000. There's deals that are made all across the board. And I have nobody, I have no idea what anybody else's deal is. Just like nobody okay. knows what mine is. Um, but I will say that like, if you have the determination and they see that you have the business acumen and they see that like you really do care, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Now, um, is that based on um, like location? Cause you know, location plays a huge role in any type of gas station or convenience mm-hmm. store. Is, um, yeah. is that based on it? Like, hey, if you get it in this, um, location right next to the mall or right next to something is that going to make it um, a higher price point in terms of getting in yeah so the so every franchise has a real estate department and a real estate department um, really sees where 7-elevens will thrive and how well they will do so any new 7-eleven coming up now is built strategically like it's built mm-hmm. for a reason um, and I mean, it's crazy the math that they do on it. Like, like you would think that the real estate department just picks land. No, like if there's four corners on a, on a, on an exit, they're going to pick the one that they feel like is going to make the bet. Like they'll put it on certain sides. I mean, there's a mathematical process behind it. Like, is there more traffic this way or this way? Is there more traffic this way? Or this? So, um, the real estate department really does a really good job at that. Um, but it kind of does depend, like if you're getting a new one or you're getting an existing one, um, if you're getting an at will one where it's not really making that much money, it's a lot cheaper. Um, also like how much is, how much is a franchisee selling it for? If it's a, if it's a already used store. So there's a lot of little factors that go into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now when you got started, um, did you get started with any partners? Do you have investors? Is that something that, you know, you, you work well with, or is it something that you decided you wanted to do on your own and, you know, you left corporate America and did everything on your own? Yeah. Um, so when you franchise, um, and so especially the smaller corporations it's best to do it on your own um, unless you're trying to get like family investments um, Mm -hmm. that don't have a lot of big return Um, but going into it with a partner isn't really profitable Mm -hmm. in my opinion and what I've learned like going into it with a partner it would have been um would have made me no money Mm -hmm. Uh, and so no it's just something where I went into it on my own um it's very possible that doesn't mean that like family members can't help you or something like that but I didn't ever think investors because it wasn't necessary Mm-hmm. Now, when you when you're getting started, was your thought process on, um, hey, I want to get one with gas versus one without gas? I remember being in college and it was a uh, 7-Eleven right across the street, basically from my apartment complex. And then it was one that was right off the um, right off the freeway. One had gas and one didn't. I never really thought of it that way. I, I didn't look at it and notice that the other one didn't offer gas. Yeah. Um, because it was like right in the middle of the neighborhood and the other one was like right off the freeway. So it yeah. makes sense that it's set up that way. Did you think about that when you initially went in? Oh yeah, of course. Um, you always have to think about that. That's why I always say I have two 7-Eleven convenience stores with gas. Um, mm-hmm. Because we are a convenience store first um, and gas is kind of just what draws people in. So I have two gas stations. One of them has Exxon and one of them has Shell. 
neither one of which I neither one of which I really make any money on. But like the shell mm -hmm. name speaks for itself, and the Exxon name speaks for itself. So that's why I chose those two particular stores because I know that people will stop because they have Shell or Exxon rewards, and nine times out of ten, people come inside to do it. So um, you're so you said you don't make any money on the on the gas. I mean, you do. It's a little small percentage, but you're not making bank based off of like people buying gas. You know, mm -hmm. um, all of my money is made on the inside. So, okay, yeah. uh, but the gas is kind of the thing that brings people in because I know whenever I stop for gas, sometimes I think like, well, do I want candy or like, am I thirsty or, you know, like um, sometimes you have to go inside for receipt paper, you know, like just things like that, but it brings people inside the store. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a small percentage, um, but my, one of my stores has 16 pumps. So that small percentage does wow. have a lot of money um, yeah. in the long run. Yeah. And that's, a, I mean, 16 pumps, that's a huge gas station. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't really like, I'm from Detroit. So I moved down to, uh, I stay in Atlanta now. I moved down to Atlanta. And my first time going to Texas was um, last year. So mm -hmm. like in Detroit, where we where, where I grew up at, we don't have large gas stations like that, mm -hmm. unless you kind of go further, further out and like deep into the suburbs. But like in the city where we, where I grew up at, it was only like four pumps. It's like four or six pumps oh, no. at the most. We have, we have huge, gas yeah, stations is kind of like where Texas thrives. I um, mean, a large part of it is because Texas is a travel hub for like uh, 18 wheelers and, you know, things like that. So, and people who like need diesel. So me being directly off the freeway, like your gas station has to be a huge gas station because you have mm -hmm. so many travelers that stop by. Mm -hmm. And I always was curious about this when I got really interested in business. Every time I go into a store or go somewhere, I started to think like, you know, what makes the most money, right? Because when I, like I was, uh, I had a friend who their parents owned a, like a, a restaurant. And I used to always think they make the most money off the food. And they were mm -hmm. telling me like, hey, we make more money off like the drinks that we serve, mm -hmm. which is why it's hard to, you know, which is why they pretty much don't allow individuals under 18 they primarily want to hire people over 18 because they want most people to serve right. and they want to have a lot of people rotating and if you're under 18 you can't serve alcohol or even like recommend it so right. it's like that's their highest driver um of, of, of revenue and profit so what's the what's the highest driver for for you because i mean gas is a lot but that that makes sense it brings the people in not necessarily mm -hmm. the money so, you so, know, I always tell people um, the highest, the, the, the thing that will help any business whenever you come in is buying their brand. Mm -hmm. So you go into a grocery store, they have the grocery store brand that helps out the grocery store because it's a higher gross profit. So mm -hmm. same with 7-Eleven, like 7-Eleven has seven select brand. We have seven, anything that you can imagine that's in a regular brand is in a seven select brand. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, if you're going to get something, get the seven select brand because my GP is way higher. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I even do myself a favor and ordering more, um, more private brand labels for us mm -hmm. than actual. I mean, like when you come in, it's probably one row of Simply and it's four rows of um, seven select juices. Just so like you have no choice but to buy the seven select juice. Mm -hmm. So you, so, so you guys um, have creative control over what brands you want in there and what brands you, you, you don't? Oh yeah. And there's a whole system for it. Like there's a whole system that lets you know, like how many people, how many stores are care, how many 7-Elevens are carrying it in the area? Like how well is it doing? What's the GP on it? Um, so no, there's a whole system for it. So it's not like we do get creative control, but like it would only serve us well if we do things that like everybody else has in the market plus what sells. Mm -hmm. And you have the power to, you know, like, let's say, you know, like I met a guy the other day and he has like his own water company. 
So mm-hmm. if you guys were to work together and he had a good product and he can bring people into the store, you have the power to put him on the shelf and see how that works. Like, I see do, how- um, but there are certain rules. It's like franchises. Um, there's only a certain amount I can bring in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it kind of helps you. So there's rules around franchising, but it's not to like limit us or to control us. It's more so to help us and to benefit us. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't want to start bringing in a bunch of labels that you really kind of know nothing about because it could bring, one, it could bring your GP down. Two, it could set you up for lawsuits. So it's just like a lot of things that kind of like 7-Eleven sets up as controls in order for us not to go overboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so water is one of those things where I have people contact me 24-7 about like bringing in water. So I kind of stay away from water because <laughs> water has the highest GP I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I already make a high profit off of that. Right. But of course, there's other products that I can always bring in. Um, Ride Fresh. I brought in their air fresheners for cars. Um, it's Five Brothers out of Detroit. Yeah, um, I actually just read a um an article about them. I wanted to I wanted to talk to them. I because I'm from oh, yeah. I'm from Detroit, so I'm like yeah. that'll be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, they're great guys. Um, I carried um we we're in contact. I carried them. Um, McBride Sisters Wine. It's two African American females. It's the largest owned black owned wine company, um, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I sold 1,100 bottles in two days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I brought them in so that, I mean, I was the highest, I was the highest seller of 7-Eleven around the United States whenever I was selling that. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely set records with them. Um, and I'm also their highest retailer in the whole United States, um, the McBride sisters. So I definitely bring in people, but I bring in people that like, I know that, I mean, cause a large part of it is I have to market it. So it's not yeah. like 7-Eleven like gets it. Like I get exclusive things that 7-Eleven does not get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore I have to market it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always want to make sure that I bring in products that are easily marketable. Um, everybody always buys a little tree air fresheners. So this is easily just replaceable for the air fresheners. Mm-hmm. Um, when the, in the time of George Floyd, um, everybody was looking for a black owned businesses to support. So it was like, you know, support a black owned wine company in, inside of a black owned 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do little subtle things that people won't notice a huge difference in the change. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of marketing, I love marketing because that's what I do. Um, what's what is it like marketing for a gas station um like what what have you seen that you know that has worked i mean obviously like billboards right that's probably the the best i, I don't know i'm just guessing from a consumer perspective mm-hmm. that might be my best drive like if i'm driving i need some gas or i need you know to stop somewhere yeah. so franchises you don't really see them do a lot of advertising like that because 7-eleven you do pay 7-eleven a portion um to do the advertising for you so like um, whatever, whatever you see of 7-Eleven, which you don't see much, by the way, um, but we do pay for, as franchisees, we do pay for that, um, but I'm not going to go out and pay for a billboard for a franchise, and the because re- because the whole reason why you get a franchise is because the name already speaks for itself, right, um, you just run your business through it, so it's not as much effort um, in trying to promote your business as it would owning a catfish place, or a, de- you know what I mean, like, that, that's, just, yeah. that's just a lot more that you have to do, um, However, I shoot my form of um, of advertising is social media. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, in, in 2021, it is now crucial um, to have a social media. And if you don't have one, there's something seriously wrong with like how you're trying to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, social media takes you out of your community and into the world, mm-hmm. um, and so that way everybody knows. So you know, I have followers from Canada and Africa and all over um, who can't even make it to my store, but can like know somebody who knows somebody who lives in Dallas who sends them to my store, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So my largest platform is gonna be social media. And I would, I probably wouldn't pay for anything else. Um, But with social media came podcasts like this one. Um, Mm -hmm. With social media, I've been on the news seven times, you know, with social media, I've been like on so many different 
you know, aspects of, of ways to advertise myself mm-hmm. without having to pay for advertisement. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned like your parents were entrepreneurs. Did your parents um, like mentor you and guide you through this? Or did you have any outside other mentors that helped you when you transitioned from corporate to becoming your own business owner? No. So it's what's so funny is, is that like, um, I was talking to my mom the other day and I was telling her about like, Hey, what if I want to do something, you know, on the side or something like that? Um, once I get my stores completely, you know, up and running by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, and I was just like, you know, like, what do you think? Like, maybe I should use some help. And she was like, Allison, you didn't use us to get here. And she's, she's absolutely <laughs> right. Like I didn't, I didn't, I did this 7-Eleven thing all on my own. Um, and so it's just one of those things where like, no, they've always supported me. They're very yeah. supportive people. My dad helps me with my taxes. Like anytime I call with a problem, he hits me <laughs> with a line that's like, oh shoot, I could have done that. You know, like, hey dad, this and this happened at the store. And he's like, well, did you call your insurance? I'm like, that never dawned on me. You know what I mean? Um, so he definitely gives me good advice um, when it's needed and when I have problems. Um, my mom is very customer service friendly. So she sometimes like, Allison, I don't think that was right. I think you should take that post down. Yeah. Uh, she's very like that. Um, but for the most part, they kind of just sit back and just, and just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would have supported me regardless. They didn't push me into corporate. They didn't push me into entrepreneurship. And now that I'm here, they're not pushing me to stay. They mm-hmm. just say do whatever makes you happy. Mm-hmm. That's pretty dope because it gives you the flexibility to do what you ultimately want to do. Because a lot of times, you know, you know, parents or just people in general will push you to what they want to see you doing. And right. um, I think that 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 speaks to the great parents that you have. Yeah. Uh, I would say, what, what what's the what's the largest challenge with running a convenience store or a gas station? I mean, is it um, you, you spoke about marketing? Um, is it hiring? Is it, you know, like what, what would you say the, the most challenging part of running a gas station is there's two most challenging parts one would be the staff mm-hmm. um because you do run a seven convenience store you pay somebody 10 to 11 dollars an hour um like it's really hard to find good quality people um mm-hmm. that are going to stay and that are going to be um loyal and you know it's just i mean it's just, that's just the hardest part first and foremost mm-hmm. um i think the second hardest part is the theft um, cause what people fail to realize is that like, if you, if you still one bag of Skittles or something else, like, like imagine how many other people are doing the same thing. And I mean, like when I tell you, like we use thousands, we lose thousands upon that. Like it could literally make or the amount of theft that we have can make or break you in this store. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like the next month you owe money to the store. Wow. So it's like when people think about like, oh, it's just a bag of Skittles or, oh, it's just a drink or, oh, I'm just doing this. Like that, oh, I'm just doing this. Like, and you do it for a period of time and so many other people do the same exact thing. Like franchises have literally lost stores based on the amount of theft. And I like to always tell people that because like people don't understand that like, like even my employees, like when they be like, oh, I got it. Like, don't worry about it, sir. I got, I'm like, you do five cents a day for yeah. 11 customers. That's $500 a month. I was $500 short one month. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that money can make or break the whole, I got it system, you know? So mm-hmm. um, that would be the second hardest part. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I wasn't, I actually went to IHOP and I was, um, I think I was like 35 cents short or 45 cents short. And the guy was just like, yeah, go ahead. You know, it's okay. And I'm just like, all no, right, that's cool. Nothing. You know, I'm like, that's cool. But if you, you you do that three or four times a day, like that really adds up because the amount of transactions you're having. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, oh. so, so how do you how do you combat how do you get over that? I mean, obviously cameras, um, I mean, but yeah, did, do does cameras. that tie into the like the hiring aspect of it though? Yeah, it does. It does, and that's a large part of it too. Is that like you get people in 
Um, and franchisees don't really have the technology that corporate has to really hire people. So you kind of just mm-hmm. hire people off of goodwill and just see what happens. And it all nine times out of 10, it's going to backfire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it just comes into that. It comes into play. And, and honestly, you just kind of, you just learn to lose money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how like, you just learn to like lose money um, and you just hope it gets better. Mm-hmm. Now, are you, are you guys operating 24 seven? Do you operate 24 seven when you're two stores? Yes, both of them. Yeah. And we have a contract where 24-7 we have to stay open. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know that because like the gas stations in Detroit, they that's one thing they do. They always stay open. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I'll stay in Atlanta. A lot of times the gas stations be closed around here. And I'll be like, like what's like I didn't know gas stations closed at all. Like, yeah. And so if if their franchises are large corporation ones, they shouldn't be closing. Um mm-hmm. so but if they're like like non-franchises or non like big companies that then it's at their discretion so mm-hmm. i guess it also just depends on the area i'm not saying atlanta's a, a bad place i'm just like maybe it depends on the area like whether or not they want to stay on there right. um like 7-elevens like it's a it's a must you have to stay i mean it's kind of just it's the company it's, it's what you buy into Mm-hmm. And I know you're into um, speaking and motivational speaking. When did you start getting into that and embracing that role? Because you have a unique story, you probably have a lot of people look up to you. Um, mm-hmm. I read a few different articles about you. Like you said, you've been on the news. So that brings attention and that brings, um, you know, inspiration. Other people look up mm-hmm. to you. So when did you start mm-hmm. doing speaking? I always tell people like you need to speak things into existence. Like if you want to do something, then you need to tell people that's what you do um <laughs> I think I've told a couple people this story but uh whenever I first started with 7-Eleven I was still in training I hadn't even had a story yet I went to um Oakland Bible Fellowship in Dallas their school um and I talked to um I think it's called Fellowship Christian Academy or something but I was talking to um their kindergartners or second graders or something like that mm-hmm. and so I was talking to them and then they loved me like I absolutely <laughs> it. like I was on point um and after that I was like you know what this is what I want I I gotta do this so I went home that day and made business cards that said franchisee and motivational speaker mm-hmm. that's how I became one and ever since then whenever I pass on my card I've gotten I mean I've done keynote speakings at conferences I've done you know keynote speakings <laughs> at schools like and I talk to children like ever since then that's just how it happened like I, I said this is what I am and this is what I know I'm good at and I built an empire after that now, do I think that that's what you should always do? No, <laughs> but um, I knew that I was good at speaking. So I knew that I couldn't really fail at it. Um, mm-hmm. And directly after I did that, I got one of my largest gigs that I've ever gotten for the most amount of money that I've ever gotten. And I thought to myself, like, this is what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um, and the speaking engagement that I got, like the year before that, it was Kelly Rowland. And wow. then was after, yeah. So I was like, literally, I had put it on my card. And a month later, I had spoken into existence. And so no, now I'm I had not- on record. I'm definitely not going to ask you how much you made, but I will ask you how many people um, did you speak in front of? Because I do speaking a lot too. And I uh-huh. always try to tell people like, y'all think it's easy. Like y'all think it's easy uh-huh. to go and speak in front of like 500, 1,000, 2,000, like that is it's really challenging. Yeah, no, it was, it was a, it was a couple of hundred um, young ladies uh, for DeSoto ISD and they do a conference mm-hmm. every year. And they've always had like somebody famous after famous after famous. And then they had me and I was like, <laughs> uh so um and it was about it was probably about two to three hundred um young ladies and it was mm-hmm. i mean it was youth um but then i think people also realize don't realize that like speaking to youth is a lot harder than speaking to adults because yeah you're engaged and interested in what you're saying 
but no, it's not simple at all. But I think my story is amazing. Um, I think, you know, I can really relate to students and kind of just giving up and almost flunking out of college and, mm-hmm. you know, just doing things like that and, and then building myself up after that and building an empire. So. Now, I'm sure 2020 has provided you with opportunities to speak virtually. Um, how do you like speaking virtually versus in person? Because I really don't like it. I have done it. I, you know, mm-hmm. I do I do it. And, you know, I do it just because I obviously want to get the reps in. I'm like, okay, this is where the world is shifting. Mm-hmm. And I have to obviously pivot. I'm not going to miss out on opportunities or leave money on the line. But mm-hmm. how do you how do you like um, virtual versus like in person and the energy? Oh, um, I, so it, it really didn't make a difference to me, but I'm really kind of like a, I always tell people like, I'm just a regular, regular, regular Dallas girl to the day that I die. So I'm always going to want to be chill. Um, and I think that being at home, I can wear pajamas <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I can kind of just do me. Um, cause this is literally besides the pajamas I did have on pants, but this is how I went to work today. I had this sweatshirt on, I had mm-hmm. on pants. So it's just a little bit simpler and I can take them, I can take calls anywhere. So I can be at work take calls and I can be at home I literally woke up 10 minutes before this for a nap and was able to do it um mm-hmm. don't get me wrong I do like standing up I do like seeing the people as a whole um mm-hmm. but I think this is a little bit more leisure for me so I like either one um and eventually we'll get back to standing up we'll get back to that yeah um, but right now I'm just blessed that we even have this type of platform to still be able to make things function and still get our story out to people yeah and now, you know, I speak with a lot of different business owners and everybody have a different perspective on how COVID impacted their business. And um, you having a gas station in a convenience store and a lot of people, quote unquote, being locked at home and getting Uber Eats and doing all that other stuff. Did you see, did that impact your business? Did it actually, you know, did it, did it help your business, um, you know, in terms of sales? Like what was your, what was your thoughts on, um, or what was your outcome on um, 2020? being locked in, you know, for the majority of the year. When COVID hit, it was a blow. It was a blow for everybody. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. a blow for me. Um, And it it wasn't like a, hey guys, this is coming. You need to prepare for it. It was like a COVID's here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Nobody gave us a warning. Um, And then Dallas shut down. And then a week later, Arlington shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, And Arlington isn't some small suburb. Arlington is one of the largest cities in Texas. Um, Okay and growing so it is a it is a subsection of like fort worth but it's not like a small city by any means yeah. so um when we saw so we kind of followed the lead of dallas so like when we saw dallas being shut down we were like oh my goodness like this could be coming and literally the next week we were shut down um and so it didn't really give you a chance to prepare yeah um, so like i still had all my staff um you know i still I, like i needed to like fluctuate stuff like that like i was i, I it was just really confusing Mm-hmm. Um, but when they came out with the list of essentials, gas stations were on there. So we were yeah. able to stay open. However, I did have to go down and staff. Um, and it just, it just, it just wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And so like as a franchise, I will say this about franchising is that like when something happens, um, the corporate offices will try to help out the franchisee. Mm-hmm. So that's different than like, you know, only, so that's, a, that's a part of the contract is that like, they're not going to let all of us just sink. You know, right. like so they really did show a lot of support um in supporting us financially they showed us support and like finance like like just really just helping us get a grasp of like what's going on mm-hmm. um but it was a blow um i i don't i don't i don't think that I, my sales my sales were terrible mm-hmm. um but it was okay because around that same time and, th- and this is why i say everything like happens for a reason and everything is a blessing in disguise 
around that same time, like who would have ever known that a police officer would have put his knee on George Floyd's neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally right after that, it was like a wave of like, let's support black owned business. Yeah. So other 7-Elevens were like trying to figure out how they were going to make it. Me as a black owned business, like people were sending people my way. People were traveling an hour just to get to me. Um, wow. And so my sales skyrocketed at a time when everybody else's were lowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I brought in the wine and that was, I mean, I was selling, you know, 1100 bottles a weekend. So wow. that brought my sales up. I started selling the air fresheners that bought my sales up. Um, so I think at the same time that everything was supposed to be going bad, that was the same time in which I kind of thrived. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just nothing but a blessing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like something you can't control. And that's kind of the story with my, with, with my idea and my company and media, social media, all the stuff I have going on. I always tell people, like, I, I never want to, like, I have to figure out how to say this in public without sounding like I'm celebrating 2020 because I understand a lot of people went through some tough times. But with the business that I have being on social media and, you know, having a lot of digital products and building a community, it was like three things happened within, a you know, at the same time, like back to back to back that improved my business, you know. I started in January and then March, everybody was locked in the house for two, for two weeks. And I was complaining. I'm like, man, I want to go out. Cause I was, I had like three speaking engagements lined up that got canceled and I was only able to keep the deposits. So I'm just like, man, I was counting on that money to reinvest into my business. And then everybody was locked at home. So I'm like, okay, I need to produce three or four times more content because three and four times more people are going to be, um, engaging in my content and then you know that happened and then the George Floyd situation happened and then a lot of things start happening with Black Mm -hmm. Lives Matter and you know Mm -hmm. riots and all type Mm -hmm. of stuff and then like you said everybody it seemed like for like a month everybody was pro-black right Right. everybody wanted to support some type of black-owned business and with my company being titled Black Millionaires you know, when they search in black, I was the first thing, first person to come up. So right. I was able to gain a huge, huge following just throughout the year. And I was allowing small business owners who were impacted um, an opportunity to market their products online, you mm-hmm. know, like small mom and pop shops that couldn't make it, that was local, you know, mm-hmm. that probably was going to go out of business. I was able to, you know, connect with them and show them how to get their products online to take, you know, to take advantage of the e-commerce space. Right. And um, so it was kind of a blessing in disguise for me as well. Right, right. I mean, and that's just, I mean, that, and it's just ironic how it fell around the same time. Um, so for Black-owned businesses, we thrive. But don't get me wrong, there's some Black-owned businesses that didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's only so many catfish places out there. There's only so many, you know, um, chicken places out there. And it's yeah. really hard to just support them all. Um, but the ones mm-hmm. who came out on the other side are truly, truly blessed. Mm-hmm. Now, how does it, how does expansion look in terms of um, working with 7-Eleven? Do you have any plans of, of getting a third and a fourth store? Um, how does that work? How does that look for you? Yeah, I have two headaches already and I am just <laughs> going to sit easy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just going to sit easy for now. Um, the whole goal is to get me completely out of the store and kind of mm-hmm. it functioning on its own, but I kind of have OCD and I'm kind of nitpicky. So it's just going to take a little bit longer than it would take somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um but no, like right now, like I just, I don't know if it falls in my lap, it falls in my lap. Um, if not, I mean, there's nothing to say that I can't go do something else. Um, right. You know, the rule kind of always is like when you come in, like let this be the only thing. But like once you get your operation up and running, they can't really 
tell you what else you can do as long as it doesn't compete with what with with this then you're okay mm-hmm. um so really right now i'm just looking to rest i'm just looking to get my operations just fine so that way i can rest mm-hmm. now when you are just trying to get everything um easy flowing and easy running are you hiring like um executives or people who can kind of duplicate you so you can focus on other endeavors is that is that the plan yeah um hire two managers um one to run each store um and give them an assistant manager mm-hmm. um yeah so that way the store can kind of make and utilize each other instead of leaning on me mm-hmm. now i want to um i want you to just speak to you know young entrepreneurs because it seemed like entrepreneurship and business ownership it's like it's popular now like most people are really looking at their situation and saying even if I don't quit my job I actually can start my own business right so Mm -hmm. what advice would you give to someone who wants to quote unquote be be their own boss because it's not all glory and gravy that we see on social media um, so what advice would you give to people, even just managing people, hiring people, having tough conversations with people? What advice would you give? Um, make sure that you that your heart is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is what you really want to do. Because uh, I think when people see me on social media, like they always see happy go lucky Allison and oh, she's, you know, <laughs> she's cleaning pumps and she's doing paperwork and she has her feet kicked up. Um, but there, I mean, there's days when I cry. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, this was last week. So it's not there's, you know what I mean? Like it's not as simple as just like opening a business like there's a lot of woes to it and I've been in I've been in it for two and a half years so if mm-hmm. I said there's a lot of woes to it and there still is and I am a franchise just know that like whenever you open your own business like it's going to be even harder and it's going to be an even bigger struggle um but if your heart is in it and this is what you know you want to do mm-hmm. um then everything will be okay and you'll stick with it and you'll stick through it um, but I think that's like the number one thing that I tell people is that like entrepreneurship is probably one of the hardest things that you will ever do in your entire life because there is no safety net. Mm-hmm. Um, I also tell people to be 100% unapologetically you. Um, there are 10,000, there are, I'm sorry, there are upward of 20,000 plus or 30,000 plus 7-Elevens in the United States, I think. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, building 10,000 more over the next 10 years. Um, And so what is going to separate me from everybody else? It's going to be me. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know what I mean? Like I market myself as a black female running a successful business. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm outgoing. I will dance at the drop of a beat. Um, (laughs) I am super friendly. Um, I keep my place as spotless as possible. So it's those type of things that like set me, set me. People, people literally tell me that they drive past 10 7-Elevens in the morning just to get to my 7-Eleven out of their way. And it's wow, because they wow. really do like and really do support what I have going on. And I do that by being 100% unapologetically, positively me at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of just what sets me apart. And so you need to find your factor that sets you apart. Mm-hmm. All right. I know a lot of people are going to listen to this and be inspired by this. Um, can you give give people a way to get in contact with you? Where are you most active? Is it Instagram? You have a website that they can check you out at? Yeah, so you can always come in. I'm at 100 East Interstate 20 and 700 West Interstate 20 in Arlington, Texas, mm-hmm. on the call, on the corner of Matlock and 20. Um, I'm the biggest on Instagram, and you can find me at the number seven, spell out 11, underscore Ray, R-A-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N. Um, I try to respond to every comment, and I try to, <laughs> I try to respond to every DM, but it's very, very hard, um, but I do try. Um, you can find me on Facebook at uh, Ray Lawson underscore seven, the number seven spelled 11. And you can find me on Twitter 
at Ray Lawson underscore the numbers 711. All right, Allison, Ray Lawson, um, I really appreciate you. Um, and thank you guys for tuning in to James Hill TV. I'll see you next week. All right, Allison, thank you. I really appreciate you. No problem. Let me know when it comes out or what mm -hmm. else you need from me. And I got you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to um, have my team, you know, edit it and put it up. And um, we're probably looking to get it scheduled for next Monday. Okay. Um, so uh, I'll DM you if I need any other information to make a post or, you know, a call to action for people to go check it out. But um, Monday is, is, is the time frame that I have in my mind. If my team have something else different um, in mind, I'll let you know. Okay, perfect. All right. Thank you. You have a great day. Thank you. You too.